Hi, I'm Ray Comfort. Uh, this is the Living Waters Podcast. The Living Waters Podcast. I can't do it like easy does it. The guys are away today for a Christmas break. Uh, when the cats are away, the mouse plays. So I've got a 10-minute word I want to share with you in three parts. Uh, it's a devotional entitled The Amazing Definition of Initiative. It's very exciting. I love it, and I love sharing it. It's because this is a life-changing word. It's a principle I've used for nearly 50 years. It's very, very simple and yet very, very profound. I remember years ago, I was a pastor, and a guy came into my office, a member of our congregation. His name was Bruce, and he said, I can't find God's will for my life. So I shared this principle with him, and it absolutely changed him, and I want to share it with you today. You may know it. You may put it into practice. You may not. If you don't put this into practice, it's going to change everything for you. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 to 32, we have the famous incident of David taking on Goliath. I'm not going to read it to you for the sake of time. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But did you know that David brought up the idea of him tackling Goliath or fighting Goliath or killing Goliath, whatever way you want to look at it? He did not say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's defining the armies of the living God and say, I'm going to pray about this, and God gave him a word to go forward, and he'd take care of him. No, he used his initiative. The Bible says, the righteous, or the lips of the righteous, know what is acceptable, Proverbs 10.32. David looked at the situation, he said, this is a blasphemer who's defying the armies of the living God, and he took the initiative. The Bible says, they that know their God shall to exploits. Now, there are some who say, no, you've got to be very careful with this. You just don't step out without praying about something because we should be careful of what's called presumption. And there are scriptures that speak of presumption in scripture and how it's a sin. But the key is in the definition of the word presumption. If you look up the definition, it'll tell you it's an arrogant taking for granted. Now, let me share with you the difference between faith and presumption. If I have faith in my wife, I'll say something like this. Sue always takes care of me. She does the ironing. She does the washing. She just looks after me. But if I, that's faith. That's trusting her. And it's, it's a compliment to her. But if I say to my buddies, leave that mess there. Wife can clean it up. Best servant I ever had. That's an arrogant taking for granted. And I trust that you and I have enough fear of God that we never, ever have an arrogant taking of granted when it comes to the Lord. Let's look at Philippians 1, verse 15. We'll read verse 14. Paul says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, becoming confident by my bonds, he's in prison, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some of goodwill. And then further down he says, Others preach in love. One preached Christ out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then he says of these that preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely, what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in that do I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. That yea is KJV. So what's Paul saying? He's saying anyone preaching the gospel is better than nobody preaching the gospel. Let me share an incident with you that is kind of remarkable. When I used to preach in Cathedral Square back in New Zealand, in the city of Christchurch, a city of 350,000 people in those days, there was a guy that heckled me for years. His name was Bernard. He was, 
on a scale of his own when it came to evil. He was over the top. I can't even tell you the things he used to do in public in front of the crowd while I was preaching the gospel. He was extremely nasty. Can't help but tell you about one incident where he was spitting out horrible things about me when he accidentally spat out his dentures. His false teeth hit the ground. I saw him sweep him up, but boy, I've never forgotten that. It made me laugh. Anyway, one Tuesday, I went into the square, and there was a guy, I think he was from France. He had an accent, if I remember rightly. It was way back in the early 1980s. And he said to me, why weren't you in here yesterday? I came in to hear you. And instead, I heard that guy, Bernard, and he was saying, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Blankety, blank, blah, blah, blah. And in mockery, he was preaching the gospel. And this French guy who spoke broken, broken English says, I was so disgusted with what he said, and Harry said it, and went off and gave my life to Christ. He heard the gospel and was saved, and it came through such a, an evil guy. And the principle is, there's power in that gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Anyone without skill can scatter seed, and it will still bring forth fruit, because the quality is always in the seed and not in the sower. Now, with those thoughts in mind, let me just share an exploit with you. There's uh, three or four exploits. I'm only get to one of them because this is a three-part series and I don't want to take too long. But I was a brand new Christian, uh, maybe a week, two weeks old. I was driving my car through a suburb called Aranui. And it's, it's relevant to tell you that. And I began praying at this portion as I was driving the car, this portion of road, that God would give me a bus. I don't know why. I just thought, man, it'd be great to have a Christian bus, a huge bus. I'd write scripture all over it. The gift of God is eternal life on one side, and the wages of sin is death, or Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'd put heaven for the destination. I'd have pay as, instead of pay as you enter, but have pray as you enter. And I got so excited, I thought we could drive it all over the country and preach the gospel and take Christians and share literature, because I'd found everlasting life, and everything within me wanted to share the gospel of salvation. Got home, and the phone rang, and it was a guy that had been instrumental in a Bible study earlier on that week. He had heard I'd become a Christian, came across home with a few of his friends, and we shared a Bible study together. And I said, uh, Dennis, I said, I, I think God's given me some sort of vision. And he said, hang on. And he left the phone and came back and shared a wonderful uh, quote from the scriptures about a vision that God had given the apostle Paul to preach to the Gentiles from darkness to light. And so I was very encouraged. That night I went to a Bible study, and for no reason, some guy came up and stuffed $600 in my pocket. Now remember, this is nearly 50 years ago, and $600 equivalent to about $3,000 nowadays. So I looked in the newspaper and saw that there was a bus auction that week on the Saturday. So I called a friend. His name was Trevor. He was Australian. Uh, most Australians are called Trevor or Bruce. And so we went to this bus auction, and there was three buses. First bus went for about... Two or three thousand uh, dollars were way out above what I had in my pocket. Second bus, uh, I think, went for a similar price, maybe down a little lower. And so I thought, we've got plenty of time, let's go and have some lunch. So Trevor and I went and had some lunch. Over lunch, I shared with him how I believed God was going to intervene and stop the mouth of the auctioneer and I'd get the bus for six hundred dollars or whatever. We got back, the auctioneers had changed. This auctioneer was much faster and had finished the bus auction. I couldn't believe it. The wind was taken out of my sails. I remember leaning my head against that long lost bus, the last lost bus, and just saying, breathing out, oh God, thank you anyway, you're in control. I thought, you know, 
you were leading me to buy this bus and it just didn't happen. So Trevor and I drove back home, very quiet in the car going home, slightly confused. And as we drove through the suburb of Aranui, I looked over to my right and saw this huge bus in a field. It was massive, twice the size of the one at the auction. So I said, stop the car. Being a man of authority, Trevor stopped. We ran in, he went to the bus and began praying over it, or praying about it, should I say, not over it, because it was a big bus. And I went next door and I looked down and there was a guy in the end of a hallway on his knees. He wasn't praying, he was actually fixing carpet. So I just called out, excuse me, do you know who, owned that, who owns that bus next door? And he says, oh, it's my bus. And I said, you want to sell it? And I'm not kidding. God's my witness. He stood to his feet, scratched his head and said, that's really weird. I was just thinking of selling it. I got that bus for $600. It was massive. It was a 34-seater a Bedford bus with a blue flame Chevy motor, whatever that is. I was told it was good. Anyway, I put scriptures all around it put a, a, a Bible verse on the back, watch it up, prophet, a man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, put a picture of a guy in a coffin with money all over him in the coffin, and had uh, heaven was the destination, and pray as you enter for the bus, and um, I was just so excited. Big bus, huge. I used to work the pedals, and Sue steered it. Uh, I remember I was driving it through our city, and it, it was so big, I couldn't get it around a corner in an intersection. This is in the heart of the city. It was very weird. I thought, man, I can't even get around the corner. And so I had to back up. So I looked in my rear vision mirrors, and there was nothing behind me. So I started backing up, and I heard a weird sound. It went like this. I thought, what is that? That's just weird. So I put it first again and drove forward, and I heard. I thought, something's dragging under the bus. So I turned around the corner and pulled over, and suddenly there was a on the door of the bus. And there's a guy standing there with a very pale face. He has an early 20s. Turns out that he was sitting behind the bus in what's called a mini minor, very small car. And as he's sitting there just thanking God or whoever for the day, having a wonderful time, suddenly this coffin starts moving towards him with a guy in it with money all over it. And the scripture, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So he honked his horn, na 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 and suddenly crosses hood that Back of the bus went, <laughs> scraping his hood, and then <laughs> scrapes it off. And I, as I stood around the corner, as I stopped around the corner, he was standing there, pale face, and he told me what had happened. And I don't know if that guy wasn't right with God, but he surely got spoken to that day. That bus was used in a glorious way. We filled it full of Christians, drove around the whole country, and uh, it was a wonderful witness for the gospel. Now, my point in telling you that story is my whole incentive for getting that bus was not a word from God. I didn't pray about it. I just thought to myself, we need to get the gospel to every creature. And the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's what I was doing. And God blessed my feeble efforts with that great bus. So this is the end of the first part of the uh, three-part series called The Amazing Definition of Initiative, which I'll share with you a little later. And uh, tune in next time for part two. We're back on January the 5th with the guys. New episodes of the Living Waters podcast.
Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.